0: I got swine flu.
1: By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thank you so much for listening. My guest today is Tom Rhodes. Before I get to that, I do have some announcements to make. And the first is, I need you. I need your vote. I'm not running for any office, but I am a finalist to host a travel show in Switzerland this summer. If you go to lightscameraswitzerland.com, I'm one of 10 finalists picked from 3,000 to host a travel show. And if you know me, you know that this is a perfect gig for me because it encapsulates everything I've been doing for the last 20 years, which is a stand-up comedy, hosting television shows, traveling, travel journalism and blogging, and the like. So go to lightscameraswitzerland.com. You'll see me, Mike S., You'll see this little video that I made, which I have to give a disclaimer on the video. I know this is bad salesmanship, but um, I did not know that this video was going to be the one we were going to be voted on. I would have put more effort into it. Anyway, uh, (laughs) I've been sending out uh, Facebook and uh, Twitter blasts. And I was recently at a mixer for... uh, And I was recently at a mixer for Fiji Tourism, thrown by our good friend Marianne Bean from Jet Set Extra. And I ran into some other friends from the show there. Uh, Rachel Rudwall, Ashley Colburn, Melanie Wynn, and uh, many other travel dignitaries. And it turns out Ashley was one of the judges for the Switzerland competition. And uh, she got on me a little bit for not uh, tweeting enough about it. And I'm guilty as charged. I can slack off on the tweeting. And uh, speaking of uh, Twitter, why don't you follow us on Twitter at Travel Tales Pod on Twitter? Speaking of Facebook, like our Facebook page. I would appreciate that. It's Travel Tales Podcast on Facebook. We are Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram as well. So if you follow me on those things, I'm not going to lie, I need more followers. So I know I'm a bit of an old man and a Luddite, I guess, compared to uh, most people when it comes to these things and social media, but I need you. And I need you to vote for me at the Lights, Camera, Switzerland competition. Will you do that for me? I appreciate it. Also, our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. There you can find links to all the aforementioned social media, as well as links to Stitcher Radio, where you can subscribe to this program, and iTunes, where you can subscribe to this program and give us a nice review. I would appreciate that. Let's get to Tom Rhodes. When I first started this podcast, his was one of the names that immediately jumped into my mind because I knew that uh, he had a talk show in Amsterdam for a number of years. I knew that uh, he worked all over the world as a comedian, and so do lots of other people. If I heard his name dropped one more time by other comedians going, Hey, you know who you should talk to? Yeah, if you say Tom Rhodes, I'm going to choke you. Well, finally, uh, Tom Rhodes was in town. You can imagine a guy who works all over the world, hard to pin down, but he was in town and uh, I got to meet him and his wife in Venice, dragged all my equipment over there, set it up, sounded great. We were a little pressed for time because he had to do a show that night and things were running late. We started late and uh, so it was a little more rushed than I had hoped it would be, but uh, got a lot of great stuff. Came home, I went on the road, came back off the road, listened to it, and I immediately got furious with myself because, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but instead of picking up our soundboard, the inputs were picking up the sound off the laptop mic, which is a mistake I made right at the beginning of doing this podcast, but uh, I thought I learned from it. And in my haste of rushing in Tom's house, apparently I made the same mistake again. So it is not as uh, clear as the golden tones you're hearing right now. And for that, I apologize to the listener and apologize to Tom. It is audible, but it's not the quality that uh, I pride myself on here. We're not the uh, biggest podcast out there, but I do want to make it sound professional. And this one was my bad. And all the more aggravating considering how long I've waited to talk to Tom. I wanted it to be uh, perfect. But it was a pleasure to meet him. It was a pleasure to hear his travel tales, and I hope you'll enjoy them. Please welcome Tom Rhodes. Tom Rhodes, the elusive Tom Rhodes. So what did he call
1: Mike? Cop, capcoon, crap, cop, cop, Uh cop. I think if you're a man, you pronounce the p sound towards the end. Capcoon, cop. Yeah, and it's- and if, and if, you're a, woman, if you're a woman, you say cop, cop. Cool, I did make that mistake yeah. many times. Well, yeah. thank
0: you so much for finally doing this. You were, uh, you were a tough guy to track down. Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm... You're all over the world. Because mm-hmm. every time I've, uh, I've talked to more than one person, I, John Bazaar, who we uh, talked man, to a few weeks friend. ago, said... Nothing uh, bizarre
1: about that guy.
0: <laughs> no. He said, you know who you got to talk to? I go, I oh, know, Tom Rhodes. Right. And then there was another guy, um, oh, Brendan Hunt. He was a uh, he worked at Boom
1: Chicago, in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, yeah. uh, Years ago, I think when you were working there, a lot of great guys. And Jordan Peele, I used to hang out with. Oh, really? He was in the cast. I would go by there. Yeah, man. I don't know. Searching for like you know comedic brotherhood camaraderie. (laughs) Um, The Boom Chicago people were always great to me, and you know it's interesting and. Chicago and Zanies, which I've done for years. My home uh, club. There's, uh, well, then you know, you know, uh, North and Wells. Yep. Second City Theater is like, you know, they're like a That's block from each other, and then um, the uh, Old Town, Old Town Tavern. Yeah, the Old Town Ale House. <laughs> uh, for so many years, you know, comedians and um, uh, and, and improv comedians uh, have meshed wonderfully together. And, uh, yeah, I would, I would go by that Boom Chicago place a lot. And uh, it was in my neighborhood.
0: Yeah, we always used to hang out in the same bars Like when I was starting out. And it was like the stand-up and the Second City people always used to hang out at either the Old Town House or Burton Place, which is down Wells and across the street from Zany's. Yeah. They're still there. They're still there. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, there yeah, yeah. last and month. still uh, new generations of yeah. comedians are <laughs> intertwining. Um, I
0: wanted to uh, talk to you. One of the... Key people that I wanted to talk to when I first started this was you because I I know of all the comics that I know, you were the guy who probably parlayed stand-up into more world travel than just about anyone. So I wanted to know how it started, or was that part of the plan when you started out
1: comedy, or to
0: take it internationally, or did it just kind of happen organically?
1: Uh, It wasn't the plan; it happened organically. I uh, you know I had had a nice. Television build up in the early '90s, and doing I remember that MTV comedy half hours, and you know, uh, early Comedy Central. I was like the face of the network, you know. Uh, so I did a, a lot of things, and so I, you know, I mean, and I paid my dues on the road. I, uh, you know, I I had performed everywhere, all over America, as a feature. You know, beginning as an opening act around on the southern circuits. Oh, yeah. I played in every town that ends in Villa Borough in the southern <laughs> United States. I followed and you around. I saw your photo at all the places. And, and you know, and then and then moving to, San, S- Land and I moved o- to San Francisco uh, in 1990, 1991, something like that. And then, you know, I'm a feature act. And then the television started to come a few years later. And then so I was headlining. And I had been everywhere in the United States 16 times. And after my sitcom... Uh, failed, didn't work out, didn't get renewed, whatever uh, yeah. description you want to add to, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, I moved to New York City to get back into to stand-up primarily, and two of my oldest best friends are Greg Proops and Rich Hall, and they were living in London, they thought I would do really well there, and, uh, you know, they invited me to come over and sleep on their couches, so that... Getting in with London led to all these gigs all over the world. For me, London was the key to everything. Was Was part of it
0: like... Okay, you had this love of travel. Because I kind of remember you had a Comedy Central show where you went to Vietnam. And that was one of the first things that I think I remembered you from. Because you went to Vietnam and I think maybe your dad was... My dad had there. flown helicopters. Yeah, there. and yeah. I just did the... A uh, few years ago, I went to the Coochie Tunnels and cool. did all that. I remember you going through those. Yeah.
1: And yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, that was a poignant moment in the Viva Vietnam, which is really interesting because that, I was Comedy Central's boy, they were letting me do anything it was kind of like being a junior filmmaker and it's 1994 Bill Clinton opens up Vietnam for Americans to travel there like the way Obama just opened up Cuba you know, but before that it was banned so it just becomes open my dad was a a helicopter pilot was shot down decorated military uh american war hero and um the topic of vietnam was always really important to our family and me growing up you know saw all the movies and so i did the special and it uh kind of you know put me on the map as far as american television goes that viva vietnam so that was your idea that you took to them and they said yeah yeah i said what about that yeah
0: To shoot over there, that's that's, that's that's not easy.
1: Pretty ballsy of Comedy Central to say, yeah, Yeah. that's a great (laughs) idea. That's promotable. Because they didn't have much
0: money back then. They weren't throwing around a lot of money. No, no,
1: no. And, and, you know, that was a great experience. My dad loved it, the Vietnamese. We did a premiere in Washington, D.C. with um, all these people from the Vietnamese embassy and then all these uh, veterans from... Veterans organizations or politically involved, Vietnam veterans, and I got to have this Charlie Chaplin moment in the back (laughs) of the theater. Uh, All these people are watching my special and laughing together. It was pretty cool. Now, I love Vietnam. I've been there a couple times. I just went back last year for the first time. Performing? In 20 years. I did shows in... I did a show in Hanoi, and I did Ho Chi Minh City also. Wow. And that's actually where I was today. I was editing my Hanoi clip. (laughs) That's uh, awesome. W- w- with my editor all day. So was it mostly... So I just had my head in Hanoi all day, <laughs> so it's funny you go, yeah, Vietnam. I was, it's, so was, I uh, was just there an hour ago. I'm assuming mostly expats in the audience. Though. Yeah, but some Vietnamese. I met this woman. There's great comedy gigs all over Asia now. A lot of really great comedy scenes have sprouted up. You know, comedy's just kind of spread all over the world. It's everywhere, you know?
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that because a few years ago I went to... Uh, Germany for the first time since 89. I was there the last, that was my first trip out of the country was 89. Huh. I was there the last summer of the wall. And, uh, you know, it's a much different country. And now I went back in end of 2011. And in Germany, in, in Prague, and all these places, uh, every time I turned on the TV, there was some stand up somewhere it was like the 80s here and places you wouldn't believe it. It's like yeah.
1: taken off. I did, I did a gig. The first time I played in Germany um, was in Berlin. I had gotten in with the comedy store in London, which is the creme de la creme of European clubs, and especially the English scene. And they, this club in Berlin, in uh, East Berlin, this is, it was short, shortly after the wall came down, but it was on the communist side of town. And they did, it was this all german comedians and once a month they would fly someone up from london for very nice money and you would do the weekend and you would only do 10 minute um you know short spots on all the shows for the weekend right and there were like four shows and it was in this old communist theater and it was a really cool theater but it was like um the iraq war was happening and the uh they it was a Strange reaction I, I got from the people But since then <laughs> uh, I've gone back and performed in, in, in Berlin again I did a private show And then I did a, um, a, a bar gig in Munich I did a bar gig in uh, Berlin actually it, There was the Kookaburra Club They had an English
0: comedy night I think either once a month or once a week or something like that I did it there And I've told this story on here before I had to follow this English guy Who, I'm not kidding, dressed as Hitler Wow. And saying That's illegal in Germany. And he, and he sang Frank Sinatra songs, and he called himself Frank Sinatzi. Ha. And, uh, yeah, and killed. And uh, I just said, wow, man, you, <laughs> he came off stage. A, I had to follow that, which was... Well, it's good they can finally laugh about man, it. Man, right? and again,
1: it was all expats in the crowd. I, I heard That's that, the only way I think he got it. I heard that Hogan's Heroes is massive in, uh, in Germany. <laughs> Come on. Now. No. They just got Hogan's Heroes like two or three years ago and they think it's hilarious. They're like, can't believe it. <laughs> it's funny when you when you
0: watch the TV uh, comedy shows there and I was looking at it in German. I don't speak any German and I don't speak any anything else that it was on, but you can kind of tell we've been doing it so long you can say just from a guy's style like how broad he is, How big, it, 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 there seem to be a lot of characters, a lot of um, people in costumes, a lot of uh, crazy accents, a lot of... Stereotypes <laughs> see. Where, in Germany?
1: In uh, Yeah, just all, all over Any stand-up show I My see. favorite thing in Germany Is the grocery stores I like to go to grocery stores In different countries And in Germany You've got like Four aisles of sausage It's ridiculous <laughs> You go into it It's just It's It's It's, it's, it's heavenly <laughs> So
0: I uh, I haven't really performed much In the UK I think I'm trying to remember if I did well, I didn't really do one in the UK, but I know in London that comedy store's been there a long time, but I, from what I've heard of English crowds, they can be pretty rough, they love to heckle, and uh, you got to have some
1: balls. Well, they're, I mean, no, no, they don't show weakness, basically. There are clubs. The Up the Creek in Greenwich used to be famous for its heckling. Um, you know, there's peripheral gigs around the city where, you know, people are sloshed up on booze and enjoy yelling things out, but in general... Um, I, mean, I don't know I think they do that sometimes to you know they t- want to test you to see if you capitulate right Is there ever... even if because I've seen them I mean like they talk bad about Americans but they talk about Australians like they're dogs <laughs> you know really right. I mean I've been with I've been with in the back of the room with Australian comedians while English guys were on and just almost wanted to hug them it was like <laughs> such an unnecessary bludgeoning of a, of a nationality of people is there, you see
0: the same kind of crowd in uh, Australia when you perform there as you do in England? Or is it, are they? I mean,
1: no, man, they're different everywhere. And, you know, they're kind of different every night. I like the Sydney audience because they can be multi ethnic. And I think Sydney is like San Francisco with a summer climate. Yeah. I thought um, Melbourne was very much San Francisco. Melbourne <laughs> is San Francisco with the San Francisco yeah. climate. Um the <laughs> streetcar. Yeah, people are really smart there. It's been so long. I did the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Fifteen years ago now, um, but even like I think Perth is fantastic. I, I like the been. I like the Australian people. They're re- They're really hearty. They go up for a good laugh. Um, you know, they they like to drink and laugh a lot. So. Yeah. If um, what's not to like? Right. Is when you perform, and I find them very sincere. I don't. They I don't know, bullshit. Not, not too many bullshitty Australian people have no. I've ever met. No, they go right to you it. You know, well, you're thinking, this guy's fucking lying. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever felt that. <laughs> is there, uh, like, the first five minutes
0: or the first minute or so on stage uh, overseas when you're performing, do you find that you have to, like, acknowledge, okay, American coming in there and just say, okay, I, we have to burn that?
1: No, Sometimes. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, sometimes you're going on after a lot of American jokes have been made Right, yeah Not a lot, I mean, it used to be when Bush was president Yeah, it was rough going Um, But easy to make fun of, comedically I mean, it's easy to, like, self-deprecate when Well, Bush I, I always enjoyed it, I always did well in England and stuff After, like, when someone's just bludgeoning Americans for being so stupid <laughs> And, uh, you know, it's like Yay, I'm the moron they were talking about uh, it, it's it's almost like kung fu. You have to effortlessly use someone's negative energy against them. That's the essence of kung fu, and that's the essence of comedy. You don't get rattled. You know, stand there like a man, and uh, you know, you laugh and think of something more clever to
0: say. How did the uh, Brendan Hunt talked about when he was in Amsterdam? You had a well, uh, hit him with a dick joke. Yeah, that's
1: right. you had the talk show there.
0: You had a TV show
1: in, in, Amsterdam. Uh, in Amsterdam. That's pretty How remarried. did that come about? Uh, Well, you know, I I started playing all over Europe, and my, you know, I I wanted a a different life Uh, after that sitcom ended. I used to have long hair and cut it, and I just really wanted to just be the greatest stand-up comedian alive. So I moved to New York, and I'm I'm playing all over Europe, playing all over, starting to spread out around the world. Uh, I fell in love with a Dutch girl, and I, I moved there to Amsterdam. And the relationship didn't work out. And because, you know, I was on the road most of the time, just like most, you know, casualties of yeah. comedy relationships. Absolutely. You're on the road all the time, and, and, and most, you know, people can't put up with that. You know, be a big part of uh, being in a relationship is presence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, I was just about to leave the, the, the Netherlands. Um This girl had broken up with me and then, miraculously, these people saw me performing at a comedy club in Amsterdam and they were looking for an American to host a late night talk show. So, you know, I was in the right place at the right time. Uh, I had just come back from Hong Kong. I was wearing some nice tailored clothes. (laughs) So maybe I looked more like... The dude than yeah. <laughs> the other people on that get show. Get your $100 suit from uh, Hong Kong? No, you never get a $100 suit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you burst out in flames before you hit the sidewalk. That's the one thing Don't i Don't rub met. your feet together. Yeah. Yeah. The, the myth of the... And you're a traveler. This is a travel program. Yeah. The myth of the $100 suit does not exist. There's these. Uh, you can get a good
0: one for Taylor's, Taylor's for in Hong Kong?
1: That I've been using for years that uh, these English comedians turned me on to. Is this the guy that books the. Because while
0: well, I was in Hong Kong, I was hanging out with uh, Dwayne Perkins, who was working the club in. Uh, it was upstairs at a restaurant. And it was front the English guy booked it. There's like two clubs in town.
1: Yeah, that's the. Uh, uh, John Moorhead in the, uh, the Indian restaurant. Yes. It. That was that the first. Gig in Hong Kong for a year. I did that tour probably five times. Okay, yeah, because yeah. it was like Dwayne and two English comics, That's and the crowd it, was all English. Yeah. You might as well have been in a club in London. Yeah, exactly. And it's like playing <laughs> yeah. in front of a, a London audience. Yeah, um, I did that for a long time. There's another guy that I've been working for, and the guy that ran that tour, John Moorhead is who hooked me up with these tailors. Oh yeah, because he and, was recommending some to Dwayne, and I was going to go with them. And then they're I, fantastic. I go. So anyway, I had a comedian friend of mine from San Francisco. Told me, you know, and I, you know, like he liked my suits, and he said, Hey, man, I, I want to go there and get a hundred dollar suit. <laughs> and I go, They don't do hundred dollar suits, man. And he's like, Well, I, I go, Look, I, don't insult me, don't insult them, don't go there. And then the next time I went to Hong Kong and I go in there, the tailors tell me, We're so sorry, we're, we, we wanted to help your friend, but m- Mr. Rhodes, we're so sorry, we, we, we don't make one hundred dollar suits. <laughs> The guy had still fucking insisted on going there (laughs) and asking these people. The $100 suit does not exist. And you wouldn't want to wear a $100 suit. So how much is the suit? You cheap fuck, go to Nordstrom Rack and get your $100 suit and look like the Hunchback of Notre Dame with your 1987 shoulder pads. (laughs) So what does a suit run there, like a good suit in Hong Kong? Uh, To get it tailored the You know what, with... uh, the stitch around the edges, you want to get the Italian style. You really got to study, because you you don't want the buttons just sewn on the sleeve. You want a real sleeve with real buttonholes. Like two buttonholes and then two buttons sewn on. But it's, and and it's the cuff to be split. You want, uh, depends what kind of vent you like in the back. Uh, You can either get one vent down your ass crack,
0: or or one
1: each on the side is better and cooler for you to put your hands in your pocket. And stand like uh, you know, you're right. you're, uh, you're a pimp. Um, so th- I mean that that's going to cost you six hundred, okay, 650 dollars for like just the Italian. But you're picking the fabric and everything. The Best fabric, pick. right? Right? Yeah. I mean, you can get a three four hundred dollars suit there, but it's going to be some 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 kind of you know medium cloth. Right. Uh, not a dazzling suit after a few years. And then be careful always dry cleaning suits, because some suits, you dry clean them two, three times, and they're done. They just lose their form or something. Well, have, but ha- The other myth about Hong Kong is that it's a great deal on electronics. It's not. Oh, the, the price okay, that's is not Jay- different, and you're better off to buy it in your own country and get the uh, warranty. The, uh, was it
0: the Golden Something in Hong Kong Is that famous electronics place? No, there's tons
1: of them. Kowloon is, is yeah, nothing yeah, yeah. but. Yeah, we were. In, I stayed in Kowloon. The Kowloon them. Night Market. It yeah, was, we went there, we ate. We went with John Murhead. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs>
0: he things. took us to his uh, his, uh, his guy, his guy there. Yeah. Yeah, cool. that was great. So uh, when you experience the Dutch network television system and compared to the American one, what are the big differences?
1: Uh, I don't know. I think the Dutch television... How many channels do they have, even? At the time, well, I mean, they you know, they have cable and stuff. Well, I mean, well, it,
0: I mean before, by at that time? I
1: mean, uh, there were only, I mean, you could have a few, you know, just regular Dutch channels. Right. Um, but... Were you on one of the national networks? Or were you yeah. Fan? Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess... So everybody saw the you. The Fox network equivalent? Yeah. They had mm-hmm. four kind of primary networks, and I guess I was on the more Fox pop culture network. But uh, I think the, the Dutch television the the people that I worked for I think they were experimental in the way that Comedy Central was experimental when I first started working for them that they would take a chance on having a, a, a non Dutch person foreigner an tone <laughs> as they call it uh, host a show so I mean it was uh, it, it, it wasn't a lot of money at the beginning in, in producing the show it was really fun to do and uh, it was this magical experience where they Taught me the Dutch culture and the Dutch language. So that was part of the thing. Like every week I would be invited to experience something of Dutch culture. Like one day I spent with a Dutch farmer. Oh, you did take uh, pieces around? Yeah, like I'd make a little five minute film. Oh, and right, then also okay. I had all their Dutch celebrities on. We did have some Americans on uh, the uh, Jack Black and Tenacious D. Oh, okay. I gave them a tour of Amsterdam. That's on <laughs> YouTube. Um, Steve O came on to promote.
0: The Jackass the, movie?
1: The Jackass movie, the very first one. He stapled his nutsack to his thigh. <laughs> uh, and on Dutch television, you can show that. And right. I, I did have that on YouTube, but YouTube took it down because you can't show nudity. And you know what? He does have a weird looking dick and an ugly, big, <laughs> droopy ballsack. So, you know, maybe it was. Uh, it's maybe, for the maybe, best. Maybe, for the it was, uh, maybe it was more of a highbrow decision that <laughs> YouTube made that I think it's a censorship issue but with the dutch what what don't they allow on their network tv what couldn't you do you cannot endorse products
0: you can you can
1: say you like beer but you can't you say Say you like heineken right because that's endorsing a product so uh other than that you can say anything you want and show anything you want that's pretty awesome so it's the exact opposite of the united states where we can't say a bunch of stuff can't show a bunch of stuff and it's all about endorsing products what a nice change and a relief after coming out of that network you know ringer that you went through well I mean that was a good experience I had a full year doing the sitcom the made lifelong friends with a few of those cast members I never would have met otherwise I mean my mom thought it was a cute show (laughs) Uh, I mean uh, the the writers it was weird they I've, I've been working on a book for the last few years and all my best stories traveling and I just wrote about that sitcom period. You know, it was, um, you know, I mean, I, I I I played a school teacher in a stuffy prep school. I gave nice <laughs> advice to the kids. Yeah. There, there uh the there was a lot of holiday episodes. <laughs> Let me just say that. You know. So how many? You know, I'm not naming any names, <laughs> but there were a lot of holiday episodes <laughs> for a first season show. <laughs> How many, uh... Who knew I liked Valentine's Day? Who
0: knew? Stage? How many weeks a year would you say you do overseas or months a year?
1: Uh, well, last year I did five months in Europe and a month in Asia. And then continuously five months crunching it on the road. I kind of took, um, December off to hang out with my family.
0: Oh. Would, um, you suggest, uh, as a piece of advice to more young comics coming up to, like, open it up to... Other countries and other other places?
1: Yeah, but you got to wait till you're ready. You know, there was a guy in Indianapolis who uh, kind of pestered me for a long time to help him. Hey, man, I'm ready to get in with London. I'm ready, man. I'm ready for London. And the guy had not gotten in with Chicago yet. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> what'd, what'd you Chicago was an hour and a half drive from Indianapolis. So, you know, before you go try and conquer l- London or Melbourne, you know, try and get good in
0: your own country. Right, right. You think you, it was the right time for you? Like, if you had gone, like, a few years earlier, it wouldn't have...
1: No, because I, I, like I, I had, yeah, I had, I had developed into a... a um, I was a, I was a, a, a great comedian. But New York. But, I mean, I... There's I, good I, training for that. You know, New
0: York would train anybody for just about any country.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I had I'd gone through this period um, of depression or... Um, Heartbreak, and and it was like it was a new life for me to go to Europe and then, you know, to be in London and and be welcomed so much where um, they had no idea that I had long hair and and was a school teacher. I mean, I had done sets in London when I had the long hair a few years before that, but um, I mean, it's a meritocracy there, so I was just completely judged on my comedic talents, and um, you know, I know. American comedians or different comedians oh man can't get in with this club in London or that club London's always been great to me and I love the audiences there are among my favorite in the world like San Francisco or uh, New York where it's my favorite kind of audience is multi-ethnic and multinational and you know well informed and that is the prototype typical London audience
0: so you've seen over the last you know 15 years you've been going overseas and stuff like that. Have you seen like changes of what's happening in Asia, China opening up and all that other stuff? What's been the most noticeable change uh, that you've seen and that, that's affected you and maybe your
1: act or anything like that? Noticeable change in comedy, Or in the, just
0: like traveling through it. I mean the internet has changed everything Oh, in yeah. terms of travel and having a, a place where people can go, one website where they can find you And see your bits or whatever, you know, they're like, look you up. You can Google you. Which wasn't the
1: case before. I mean, were you a hard sell (laughs) before? No, that's funny. The guy who books the comedy in Jakarta, Indonesia, told me, the worst thing a comedian can do is put his clips on YouTube. Because, you know, the audience could look it up and decide they don't like the comedian and not want to come. But, like, then Emo Phillips does the joke of, uh, you know, with access to the internet now. If you don't like my show, you should have looked me up. It's your fault. <laughs> right. You know, so... What is Jakarta? I mean, the, it, it, it's Jakarta.
0: I haven't heard good things. I've been uh, to Bali,
1: I've been to Bali, but I haven't been to Jakarta. Love Bali. Jakarta, I did the Jakarta Comedy Festival. Uh, I made a really nice um, YouTube clip. <laughs> Tom Rhodes Comedy Travels Jakarta. Um... <laughs> wonderful people, you know, It's I went there right after September 11th, mm. and they were burning American flags, and it was really tense, and, um, and I also, I wrote a story for the Huffington Post. I, I uh, sporadically do uh, travel writing for the Huffington Post, so I wrote oh. a story about that also, and then going back years later.
0: What was the basis of the... Uh Story about about seeing the flags burning and stuff. You no,
1: know, like about that. how they had changed. That yeah, to go from you know they were burning American flags and saying attack Americans and American businesses, and then you know a few years later the Bali bombings happened. There was the Marriott bombing in Jakarta. They had a few there. Yeah. So things were tense there for a while. So it was only two or three years ago we went there, and uh, they had a big comedy festival, and everybody's you know. It's great! Uh, you know, it's, it's the highest populated Muslim country in the world, you know, and so a lot of great Asian comedians and uh, European comedians, Australian, everybody.
0: Did you know enough Dutch that you can do your whole oh, no. set? Oh, no. no, no. No. No.
1: No. I can barely communicate with my wife. <laughs> So yeah, use a chalkboard and chalk. <laughs> if
0: um, if you had to choose one, like uh, I don't know, if you I don't know, I hate to play favorites and like see how many because people always ask me what's your favorite place, but I mean are, are there countries that you could just keep going back to every time and every time you look forward to going.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean Ireland never tires me. Um, Australia. Big fan of Australia There's so much And I've seen a lot Of Australia There's just so much More of it It's massive I would like to see But there's nobody you know? in it Most of it <laughs> I mean it's just like
0: It's just a massive country. Wonderful place man I know
1: And um, I, I would like to Explore Western Australia More I really enjoyed Perth You know I've been to Sydney Probably 10-12 times You know Melbourne Three or four times um, I've performed in Canberra I'm a big fan of Brisbane I love Brisbane Oh, yeah. I went through It's everything. very hilly. Is it? Uh, they have these worker cottage houses uh, with like porches, these wood little houses on stilts <laughs> where these, you know, good hard working people live. There's great seafood there. It's a wonderful place. I know I try to describe uh,
0: Australia to people and I said, imagine the, the size of this country, but with the population of like. 22 million people so this whole state of western Australia if you drew a line from like Colorado west yeah but the middle is all desert I know. know and it's like uh, San Diego and that would be Perth and then nothing just these right. little mining towns scattered it's its amazing how this little few people there but in this massive space but so much of it is just in, uninhabitable and you can't there's a reason there's nobody there but I found that like uh, I've only been on the east coast there, so uh, yeah, I never got to the center, but the time I went, it was the middle of summer, so I was like I want to go to Alice Springs, and they're like, what are you, out of your mind, it's like 120 degrees up and I was ready to take a bus, and they're like
1: no, no you don't want to do Who's Alice? <laughs> you never played Alice Springs? No, I mean I've always wondered, you know <laughs> did, did she merit having her own Springs named after her? Have <laughs> if, um, if you had any kind of a horrible,
0: like, uh, border incidents um, not being able to let it in Any uh, run-ins with cops
1: or soldiers or? No, in Bali once a cop tried to, um, you know, wanted a bribe from me. wasn't doing anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Rented a scooter for the day. Going to drive my wife to the uh, elephant park. Thought I could handle it. (laughs) Driving through uh, Bali in this big roundabout, and the cops in his little wooden hut, and flags and points me down, waves me over. Okay. I got my driver's license, and the dude's like, he didn't speak any English. And there was he had it was a, a laminated paper, it printout, and it said that you could either give him a small fee or go downtown to the courthouse and uh, and take up what you did wrong with uh, with a judge. So the guy keeps pointing at the the. the the immediate fee and I keep pointing at the other option going no <laughs> let's go downtown let's go let's go talk to people I let's, I got all day so uh, and the guy I don't know he's the, what's wrong with this white guy everybody else usually pays by now <laughs> and he keeps pointing at it and I'm like we're not going anywhere and then uh, you know finally the guy got exasperated and, and gave up and then my wife and I went off again and these guys are driving up alongside us hey come in look at gift shop look at gift sh- come my friend's gift shop and we're like no 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 man we're good and we're like you know doing 30-35 miles an hour and it's different and so that happened a few times and then we slowed down through some little village and some like mangy dog with you know rabies foam coming out of their fangs <laughs> are nipping at our ankles and we got flip flops on and you know I, I, I sped up got us out of there turned around and drove directly back to the hotel where we were staying at and then the hotel had for50 dollars a day they had this nice um, air-conditioned van uh, and the guy like would put like drinks on ice for you and and drive it was only 50 bucks yeah um, so that's what I've learned a lot about um, um, lower economic world travel is uh, the rich white guy way is often the best way to do something <laughs> <laughs> right. What
0: was the? equivalent, what do you think? Oh man, I'm going to be all in the air. I'm going to get it's real, real
1: man. No, fuck that. Yeah. Spend and the fifty can... bucks. Go sit in the back of the van like mm-hmm. all the other. With your
0: cooler full of water. Only white
1: people. Mm-hmm.
0: Did uh, what was the uh, equivalent of the, the U.S. equivalent of the bribe he was asking for? What do you think it was like? Twenty, 20 bucks. Twenty bucks. Yeah. Is there a country that you've been to that? Would you say It's like I'm good if I never Come back to this place Dubai Really
1: I've only been through the airport Yeah Not a fan Is it just because? No and it's I saw Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi Also And I went to Wild Wadi The water slide park There <laughs> Wild Wadi That's what it's called yeah. <laughs> Wild Wadi What about it Just isn't uh, It's very segregated yeah. Canadian school Next to an American school American hospital Canadian hospital Australian hospital Australian school They have a Filipino school An Indian school uh, you see, there's like kind of Filipino workers and Indian workers yeah, like being and carted around in school buses with bars on the windows. Like, you know, almost. Uh, I don't know what the situation was. Maybe it was a comfortable bus and there was air conditioning. It looked like indentured servitude. Yeah. I've and then you're driving down the highway, and there's no. The billboards aren't products, they're all pictures of the king. Everywhere We drove to Abu Dhabi Billboard, Billboard Picture of the king Another picture of the king Now he's playing in Thailand hey, Believe me I just came back from Thailand it's like Why doesn't the guy Why doesn't the guy Go on Facebook <laughs> Why didn't he start an account He can post <laughs> his photos You have a million friends Overnight I do like the king of Thailand Very much Everybody does But he's had My be, uh, oh, I have His birthday's
0: coming up It's like almost 90 I think Yeah
1: I especially like on the money There's a photo of him With a, with a camera The camera Yeah Because it's his hobby Or <laughs> yeah. it was his hobby and yeah. the photo with him and Elvis is one of my favorites. <laughs> so, um,
0: w- w- I haven't done much of the Middle East, though. So, I mean, have you performed there? I mean, yeah, I
1: performed in Abu Dhabi and Dubai.
0: Oh, man. So, again, I'm guessing mostly aspats, expats? I mean, do, uh, do locals ask, go out yeah, to that?
1: Yeah, no, yeah, there were. There were, there were
0: um, now, a heavy-duty Muslim crowd seems like it, it would be a little... More strict on the language and things like that? No,
1: I mean, you couldn't do Muslim jokes and stuff like that. Right. But, like, uh, Malaysia, um, Jakarta, there's, you know, you really have no limitation. There's nobody... I mean, you have to have good taste. You have to right, yeah, you have, to have yeah. good sense. How about Africa? You don't want to go on and say, like, things that are going to upset people. <laughs> right. I mean, it's not an open mic night in a bowling alley. Yeah. You know? And especially if you've been paid to perform. And usually when you those travel, you play... They're putting you in really nice hotels, you know. Sometimes, uh, you know, five star joints, and yeah. uh, you know you have to kind of show some respect to your host.
0: Any uh, what was the, what would you say the worst reception you got overseas would be of any show you did?
1: Uh, it was. I, I talked about it in Edinburgh. I did this in two thousand. I went there just to check out the Edinburgh Festival, and it, you know it was a year before September 11th. Lots of animosity towards Americans. There was there's a late night show called Late and Live there, and a lot of people get drunk and go there to heckle. It's notorious for it, and it's not as bad as it used to be. They, I, uh, they people try to emulate it, but it's, it it would never be what it was. It was an all American show, and one American comedian after another lambs to the slaughter my friend Rich Hall was supposed to close the show he mysteriously gets laryngitis <laughs> asked me if I would fill in his spot for him me being the cocky son of a bitch I think I am I think they're going to love me so the sound man played God Bless America when oh. I came out and this already rabid anti-American audience lost their minds Oof. so that was like that was a really uh, difficult gig and uh, people yelling fuck you get back to America couldn't even get started and then just last August and that's been my Vietnam for 15 years I'd wake up in the middle of the night (laughs) 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 thinking I'm still on that stage every time you hear the song it's like a Pavlov I did yeah exactly (laughs) I I get a bead of sweat on my brow whenever I hear the National Anthem (laughs) Uh, I went back did the Edinburgh Festival I did the entire month last August. You did a whole I, month there? I did. Oof. I had never done it before. And it, it was it was incredible. Wonderful festival. Wonderful city, wonderful place. I went there to watch it, but Audiences. I, didn't, I didn't see it. So so, I didn't perform. So I did that Late in Live six times over the course of a month and it was my bitch. <laughs> I you know, uh, whatever there were a few nights of drunk and raw and I just stood it. What do you got, Edinburgh? <laughs> Waited for years to come and erase the, uh, you know,
0: yeah. But in Edinburgh, uh, the emotional I went there.
1: trauma that you gave me. <laughs> I've talked to some guys I who've done it. it. It's all scrubbed
0: up now. And they, uh, that month, that uh, the biggest complaint I heard about is like, a, you're not making money, really, that much when you're there, and uh, just the competition to get crowds is really, really tough. Yeah, because there's so many shows. How did you? Uh, I mean, did you have a name already, kind of going into it?
1: Yeah, I didn't make any money. I had a good deal. Someone produced my show, but you know, you do have to hand out flyers and promote your own show. And um, you know, I, 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 I don't, I'm not a big fan of standing in the rain, handing out flyers. So uh, maybe my crowds could have been a little bigger. Than <laughs> did you? Do, have you done uh, Kilkenny? I've never done Kilkenny. That was that seemed like a really cool festival when I was there. I did the Galway Festival last October. I usually go to Ireland once a year, once every other year at least, for the last 20 years. Ireland's been great to me. Love the Irish audience. Yeah. They're yeah really like great. That. And they like a good, uh, you know, uh, thoughtful expression. <laughs> the only place in the world that this joke would ever work that... Uh, I love Oscar Wilde, and Oscar Wilde's life was ruined by the man who invented the Marcus of Queensbury rules. The Marcus of Queensbury, who invented the rules of boxing, is who destroyed Oscar Wilde's life, because the Marcus of Queensbury's son, Bozy, was having an affair with Oscar Wilde, and the Marcus of Queensbury got some legal shit against Oscar Wilde, he was thrown into jail, he was a cream puff, so, you know, he withered. And uh, ended up dying a few years later from that. So, um, because I love Oscar Wilde so much, on the rare occasion that I do fight, I always fight dirty. <laughs> yeah, I just took my uh, I just took my mom to Ireland in October. It was mm. like her
0: dream trip. So that's a great trip
1: to do with your mom. Yeah,
0: she loved it. She lo- I had been before, but she'd never been. So we just basically rented a car and did a lap around. But yeah, right. I got photos in front of the Oscar Wilde statue there, and the whole deal. Yeah, it was just.
1: And That's a Huffington Post story I did. I went there on our honeymoon. I got into a fight in Galway. You can read all about it. <laughs> but we did the Ring of Dingle. My wife and I drove. Oh, yeah. Them. There's the Dingle, Ring of Cary. It's, 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 it's in that vicinity. It's on the south. West. Yeah, I went to Dingle. I
0: went to Dingle. We did the Connemara Peninsula and the Dingle gorgeous. one. and Absolutely all that. gorgeous. Yeah,
1: beautiful. And just the freshest, most wonderful seafood wherever oh, you go. Yeah, it was great.
0: It was great. So, I mean, I don't know, to wrap things up... I, I know you, have to, you you've got to leave you got to do a gig tonight but um, what do you think all this travel has done for you as a person and how has it changed the way you interact with people and look at life and, and America in general? I mean how is it
1: uh, I mean you know I'm privileged that I, 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 I know so many cultures I have friends all over the world and most of my friends are comedians but I know a lot of artistic cool interesting people, and I know so much about the world, and uh, I love history, I love traveling, I mean, I, uh, you know, I, I, I wish I could go to a place and not be absorbed by the history in a place, like, I, and then, and also, like, travel magazines, and travel books, and travel writing, I've always loved, my whole life, I've always loved photography, my wife is a photographer. She travels with me everywhere, you know, so she sees art in everything and, you know, she's, uh, you know, she's she's doing her own artistic journey um, along with mine. But even through the years, I always, you know, I, mean, I used to travel with, um, before digital, I used to keep Kodak disposables or, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, 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 there's so many different photo cameras I've had through the years and then, you know, videos I've tried to make from, my travels. I'm, I've been trying to do a comedy travel program, um, but I mean, the world is is, is kind of exploding with uh, with comedy right now. There's there's comedy everywhere. There's comedians. I think it's better than it was 30 years ago when I started, where it was more uh, straight white guy thing, clean cut white guy monologist with his suit coat with his, his sleeve rolled up to his <laughs> Elbows, whatever that was. That was the '80s comedy look. I mean, I was just a kid. I was lucky that I, I got to to start back in that black and white vaudeville era. <laughs> yeah. But now there's more ethnic diversity and and you know um, great female voices and um, you know just just comedians from around the world. It's 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 remarkable.
0: It's really an American art form, really. It kind of started here, right? Just a well, I think it started here
1: with Mark Twain in San Francisco. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's kind of an irrelevant point now because they've been doing it for so long in, in England. And, right. And it's everywhere. I, I think the next... Um, well, it's funny how it follows cable TV everywhere around the
0: world. The more they get, like, more channels they get, they realize, oh, this is a cheap form of programming
1: we can put on. Yeah, well, I mean, YouTube opened up standard yeah. comedy for Asia and India but for a long Russell time Peters Australia and like didn't have I mean they were relate to the broadband thing I mean, they, and cable and stuff I like don't that. know man five years before uh, smartphones here had screens I was in Australia and someone just said did you see that news piece <laughs> about such and such and I was like no and they whipped out their phone and then they go yeah look at this and it was a video from the news instantly and I had never seen that before. And that was probably three or four years before people in America had... Wow, that's pretty good. ...phones and, you that know... That guy's been to Asia. <laughs> he went right up yeah. there and got, got a phone. Yeah, so, I mean, Americans should never think we're ahead of... I think we're behind in I
0: mean, No, ways. I'm thinking maybe in, like, TV channels and stuff like that because I talked to Eddie Ift, who was, like, huge in Australia. And it was, like, him and Arge Barker. Arge is, like, the king and Eddie's kind of, like, the prince there. Yeah. And so they did the... I think it was Rove Live... Yeah Which was the big talk show there Which was kind of like You know Johnny used to be Yeah I did here. Rogue Live Yeah and it's just like It's one of those things where He said if you went on that one Like the next day Everybody in the country Kind of knew your name Yeah
1: really strong for ticket sales Yeah
0: yeah And it's like there's uh, There's not that Now that they know Because of the internet And everything else And now that they all have Satellite and stuff I think Rogue Live is in L.A. now And he's doing a show for Yeah the no TV I worked with him uh, I worked with them down in uh, Comedy Magic Club Yeah great guy Yeah yeah um, but he said, "Now that they know everybody's name, like now they want a name, you know, that they see, like they'll want like Daniel Tosh or something. Right. Before they wouldn't know who that was." They and they said a lot of American comics would go there, but they never they would do well. But then they would never come back. And those guys just kept coming back, and they built an audience. And, and guys like you kept keep coming back. back. And uh, so is that? I mean, see that works on relationships too. Keep going back. You gotta be present. <laughs> keep going back. Well, speaking of being present, do you see a time when you will pick a place and kind of just settle down? Uh, Yeah, my
1: wife and I are looking for a place to uh, hang up the big blue dolphin we caught uh, (laughs) on a fishing excursion off the coast of Key West a few years ago, and um, my wife had done some safari hunting, and uh, we have some various trophies of uh, animal skins that need to be (laughs) hung, Um, yeah, sometime later this year, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. In America or somewhere? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think we're going to, uh, live in Los Angeles just, um, you know, to, um, be closer to the movies. There's worse places you could be.
0: Um, well, finally, what do you tell, like, so many Americans, I think that they always have this, uh, study that they say, like, maybe only 30% have a passport, even. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you... Talk when you talk to Americans that they like haven't been places. What do you
1: say to them to try to get them out there? And Throw your white tennis shoes in the trash. <laughs> do not go to Europe or any other country on this planet with your white fucking tennis shoes. You are a dead giveaway. Everyone on the every, Americans wear white tennis shoes. They do. That is the stereotype. And usually new. You want to get robbed. Wear white fucking tennis (laughs) shoes. They know you're a tourist American. And then the other thing, Americans wear... They always say Americans wear... North uh, Face jackets? Shirts or sweatshirts saying where they're from. Right. Connecticut, Missouri. They want you to know where they're from or their college affiliation. Um, That's a dead giveaway. I don't think anybody does this anymore, but the fanny pack. get People don't... You're a tourist, you'll get robbed. Don't... Wear fucking dark shoes. (laughs) Get rid of the fanny pack. And, um... When you're on public transportation in Europe, turn your fucking volume down. Mm -hmm. Not everyone on the... Americans talk really loud, and you'll be on the bus, and, you know, my uncle, he inherited a lot of money, and then, you know, he got me the job at the (laughs) gas tank place, and then, like... It's like they want everyone on the, the the train or the bus to know that they're important or something, <laughs> I know. and it's the it, it's it's uh, it, it's it's irritating. People hate you, and you're a dead giveaway for American. And then you also, I've listened to these people, and like a lot of times, I'll just you know keep my mouth shut. People don't know I'm American, and I'm you know trying to read a book in the corner or something. <laughs> And it is usually the most ignorant babble in yeah. the world. That like is embar- you are embarrassingly stupid, <laughs> and you should try and you know have some class. Speak at a low volume to the people next to you, and no one else on the fucking train needs to know your business. <laughs> You're not that important. I said the same thing with the bazaar. He brought up the same thing. It's like just shut. <clears up. throat> Just keep it down. Try and Please. learn. Observe. Yeah. Look at the <laughs> shoes around you. Is anyone else wearing white tennis shoes? No. <laughs> they went out of style in 1986. <laughs> you don't play for the NBA. Stop
0: wearing their fucking jersey. Where did you find most of the reason that they don't go anywhere? I
1: mean, I understand not No, a lot of Americans travel, and the best Americans I've ever met were outside of America. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Great, artistic... Um, you know, not just liberal, conservative, every kind of uh, American doing important, great things. You know, lots of people helping around the world. You know, I, I, I think Americans are. You know, uh, a, a lot of them are very generous people. I mean, and then there's the corporate greedy scumbags I've I've met around the world too. Yeah. But, well, the other you know, thing. I met a Norwegian guy in Las Vegas who told me he was he was pro. Um, Uh, the guy in Norway that shot all those uh, white Christian kids. Oh, jeez. Really? Yeah. Uh, Andres Buret. Yeah, yeah. I have a show in 25 minutes. Okay,
0: we gotta go. But, uh, hey man, thanks for finally doing this. Yeah. I appreciate it. Any
1: last question, Mike?
0: No, no, I'm just trying to think. It was like, I always try to tell people, like, I think one of the reasons fear is the one thing that drives, that keeps most people from going places. And uh, if I always try to do anything, I just try to like... Assuage their fear. It's like well, I just came back from Thailand, and people are going, "How did you do with the language?" I was like, "Dude, you speak English. Do You know how lucky you are that that's
1: yeah. That's like the closest well, the thing Thai to a world such language." Gentle people. I yes, have most been friendly players. Um, my wife and I were there last time. I was there. I mean, i i um, I, I, have a, I have an older woman, great old friend of mine who's from Bangkok. So I mean, I. The, I know a lot about the food and the culture and things oh, the like food's that. The but best. The, uh, best. the last time my wife and I were there, we stayed in Chinatown, which I didn't even know existed, in a Shanghai 1930s style hotel in Bangkok. Yeah. Oh. Okay. With, and they had these great, wonderful bathtubs. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, and then and then the we. Uh, after all the restaurants closed, there was street vendors doing street food. You know, some of the spiciest and greatest Thai food I've ever had in my life. But Speaking of so, that. So, I mean, there's so many different experiences to have there. I was asked
0: this, uh, your favorite cuisine of any country, if you had to pick one. Thai, definitely. Yeah, I know. It's always yeah. either Thai or Italian.
1: Well, it's, a, it's a Thai and Indian for my wife and I, but definitely yeah. Thai is at the top. Yeah. And, yeah. and you, uh, you got a Korean good... pretty card. nice, too. Korean is good. Korea... I live right by Koreatown. Oh man! Yeah. Oh
0: man, so good, incredible. You got a good stomach though. Never had any illnesses. Craziest thing you ever ate? Craziest animal or whatever?
1: Uh, in Vietnam for Comedy Central, I um, I ate cobra, minced cobra. Ooh. I don't think that was the weirdest. But I, we did shots with cobra blood, vodka. It's a Vietnam thing, <laughs> you know. And you, and you're fucking killing one foreign aggressor after another. <laughs> you know what? You can drink of Blood and podcast.
0: Sure.
1: Um, that was probably the weirdest. Did. Um, oh, I should ask you. We haven't uh, plugged your sites and do it. TomRoads.net. TomRoads.net. Uh, TomRoads.net for everything. I have a podcast, TomRoads Radio, free on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever those things are found. Uh, I have a book that hopefully will be. Coming out um, later this year or early next year. Awesome. About my life traveling, getting maced in Paris, almost drowning in Thailand, <laughs> late night talk show. You know the redemption of my love my wife's love. Oh,
0: wait, you got maced? Yeah, man. You these are all questions you. you I didn't. Even, you saved it. You buried the lead on the. <laughs> read the book, Mike. It's gonna be great. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right, shalom,
1: amigo. Thanks for stopping by.
0: Tom Rhodes, everybody.